So today I'm going to be going further into this aspect of being in the presence of the Lord. I want to focus today on an example of the power of the presence of God. So I'm sharing today about the walls of Jericho. We're looking at the story of Joshua leading Israel in the defeat of the city of Jericho, where the walls of the city fell down as the priests and soldiers marched around the city for seven days with the priests carrying the ark of the presence of God. From the moment that God commissioned Moses to take Israel out of their captivity in Egypt, uh, captives under Pharaoh, and God commanded Moses to lead them through the wilderness and into the promised land. From that moment, Moses realised that it was the power of the presence of God with them that prevailed in that journey. When God first told Moses to do this work, he said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, don't bring us up from here. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us? So that was an agreement. So God's presence was with Israel in every situation of their 40-year wilderness journey. And it was in an outward demonstration of God's supernatural power. God's presence was seen in the cloud that followed them and in the pillar of fire by night. There was the manna that fell from heaven to feed them. And the presence of God resided in the ark that the priests carried from encampment to encampment through the wilderness. And there were 42 of them. That ark was set up in the tabernacle every time they set up camp. And that was the, the holy place. That was holy ground for them wherever they went. And there was the tent of meeting that Moses erected for himself. He'd go out from the camp on his own into a tent that God told him to build and he would be in God's presence on his own where God would speak to him. And Moses died at the end of that 40 years journey and Joshua had to lead Israel into the promised land across the flooded river Jordan. And God miraculously held back the waters of the river Jordan, just like the Red Sea with Moses, he did this with Joshua. But it was when the priests stepped into the flooded river bearing the ark of God's presence. And this was just before they arrived at Jericho. Now the people of Jericho, they would have been terrified by what they saw coming. It wasn't that far away. But there's two million people with thousands, hundreds of thousands of cattle of all kinds and a great cloud of dust slowly moving towards them. But the Bible tells us that these instances of the outward power of God's presence on that wilderness journey was, in those days, an example for us in these days to learn about living in his presence. And we read it in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 11. And it says, Now these things happened to them as an example, but they were lessons for us, written down for our instruction on whom the end of the age has come. And Jericho was the first obstacle in their way to going in and fully possessing the land. And it had to be conquered. So everything was external. But for us, these are lessons 
about the presence of God internally. We now carry his presence. There's no outward ark. There's an inward ark, if you like. And it's our heart and our spirit where Jesus dwells. But they had to get through into Jericho and conquer it. And they were told that Jericho had to be devoted to God as holy ground. And the Lord spoke to Joshua about this outside the city walls. And we read this in Joshua chapter 5. Joshua fell with his face to the ground and worshipped. Then he said, What does my Lord wish to say to his servant? And the Lord said to Joshua, Remove your sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then God gave Joshua his marching orders for Jericho. And this is what we're going to focus on. These strange marching orders. Joshua chapter 6. The Lord said to Joshua, Jericho and its king and all its mighty warriors are already defeated, for I've given them to you. That's not a bad start, isn't it? If you're asking God, how's it going to go? And he says, I've already done it. I think that is a great mindset. Our mindset usually is, what if something goes wrong? And what if we lose? And what if it's an anxious thought? And God says, no, it's not what if, it's as if it's already done. That's a totally different heart and mindset. Then he gave them the, the practical outworking. Your entire army is to walk around the city once a day for six days, followed by seven priests walking ahead of the ark, each carrying a trumpet made from a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you're to walk around the city seven times with the priests blowing their trumpets. Then when they give one long, loud blast, all the people are to give a mighty shout and the walls of the city will fall down, then move in upon the city from every direction. Jericho was the fertile oasis of all oases. It had outer walls two metres thick, five metres high, and a tower, and other fortress walls inside the outer walls as a fortification that surrounded a, a busy city. But it was a picture to us of what God wanted to be his oasis, our heart, holy ground. So those walls have spiritual meaning for us today. They represent the walls of self-protection that we spend years building around our hearts by either not realising the Holy Spirit's work in our hearts or by resisting his work in our hearts. Now his work never ceases to be creating in us a new heart that knows the love of God, a heart that believes in the work of Jesus and a heart that chooses to do the will of the Father. That's what's being done in that heart. To heal it, to get the walls down. And just as Jericho behind those walls had to become holy ground, so do our hearts. God also made a decree that the walls of Jericho were never to be rebuilt, and they never were. There's a scripture that shares that to us. Now this work of God in regrounding our hearts is a day-after-day day process of keeping our hearts centred in the presence of God. Just as the Battle of Jericho was a day-after-day day strategic discipline of carrying the power of the presence of God around the walls in the ark. So those walls of the city were surrounded, walked around day-after-day. Day. And day-after-day, Nothing 
happened. Well, nothing appeared to happen until on that seventh day when God was ready to go into action and he miraculously collapsed the walls. Now, the picture is of us being in the presence of God day after day. What's happening? Well, it's God's work to collapse the walls. It's our work to be present to his presence. And the result is an ever-expanding growth in faith. Presence awareness is not an idle stillness. It is an activity. Faith on our part and God bringing down the walls that stop him from coming in to his holy ground and doing the full work. The number seven, the full work. The number seven, always, if you read the number seven in scriptures in the Old Testament, you can have a look at that scripture and say that has some relevance to the completion of something. It means completion. It can be the completion of a work that God wants to do in us. And here, seven features a lot, the number, the number seven. And it's symbolic of the completion and fullness of God's purposes in the earth in one way or another. For us, when we see what happened to these soldiers and priests carrying the presence of God around the walls of Jericho, for us, it's God's desire to do a complete work of healing and transformation in our hearts. Our strategic discipline is also about practicing the presence of God without trying to make God do anything, but by having faith and patience for a complete work of God in bringing down the walls of self-protection around our hearts. We've built those walls over the years, brick by brick. We've added more and more bricks to this wall of self-protection every time our heart has suffered rejection or been misunderstood or felt mistreated in any way. If we've used our own self-defense mechanisms in that, another brick goes into the wall. We also put up a wall when we allow negative imaginations to inflame our defense mechanisms. So negative imaginations, the, the, the Bible says in, uh, in the New Testament, cast down imaginations and every barrier or wall that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. So there's a New Testament scripture for getting the walls down and that Greek word there for the wall is hypsoma, a high thing, anything that you erect that gets in the way of you having the knowledge of God in your mind and in your heart. And negative imaginations can do that. It's one thing to have a, an actual incident of being rejected or being mistreated and you know the circumstances. It's another thing to have something in your imagination saying, I know what's going to happen and this is what's going to And I, I dread that and I, I know what if this happens and what if this gives me a dreadful feeling of shame and nothingness. So that's a negative imagination. And what it is, is simply a negative, anxious feeling of emotion attached to a, a negative, anxious thought of what if. As I shared earlier, Joshua, as a human being, would have looked at those walls and said, what if it doesn't happen? But you know what God said? It's as if it's already done. So your negative imaginations don't go there. They're the what ifs. 
put in, it's as if God already has the outworking of his goodwill towards you and your imagination will take you down the wrong bunny trail. It will get into your head and want to stay there. Get it out of your head, out of your heart and into the faith of God's as if, not what if. So our heart is God's holy ground because he created our heart to be protected and fulfilled by his love. It's the fertile oasis of all spiritual oases. It's his dwelling place. As we set aside time and we just let his presence surround and penetrate our hearts, we create space for God to occupy the holy ground of our hearts. That's something to meditate upon when you're sitting quietly before the Lord. And not only is he occupying the ground of our hearts, but the brokenness of that heart gets healed as he occupies it. It may seem like nothing is happening during those times of being present, but his spirit occupies more territory every passing moment that you're conscious and aware with faith that he's there with you. And when we invite the feelings of hurt, and brokenness into that place that he now shares with us, that becomes a brick by brick removal of our Jericho wall of self-defense. These stories aren't in here just as funny little narratives of side alley stories. This is the main narrative basically being repeated right throughout the Bible. My presence will go with you and I'm going to heal your heart and I'll give you victory over the things the darkness would try and invade your heart with. A new wall gets built, a new wall around our hearts, and it's the wall of faith and hope in his healing love. When we consider the outcome for Israel in their conquest of Jericho, we see that Jericho was the first major obstacle to be overcome to go in and finally possess their inheritance, the promised land. And you think, well, okay, that's it. That's the end of the story. No, it's not. That was not the final obstacle of Israel's taking of the promised land. In fact, it was just the beginning. Once you've got your heart settled and grounded, once they had the walls of Jericho down, there were seven major tribal nations to do battle with before they could establish Jerusalem. Speaking of the fullness of darkness and corruption and sin and idolatry that was out there trying to overcome them. And in many ways it did. You see, we need to get our hearts grounded, but then there is the confident faith in the grace of God to take us into the further challenges that are going to come. So that sin and idolatry was trying to overcome Israel and a lot of them fell into it. But to those who remained faithful, the conquest of Jericho had grounded them in confidence that the word of God and his presence was always with them to guard their hearts and bring them back into his will. The same applies to us today because our inheritance, which is the fullness of the life of Christ within us, will continue to present its challenges as we commit to live in light and truth. The attacks of darkness upon a heart, one that's been purified, 
one where the walls are down, one where it is an oasis of all oases, and where God dwells, we'll still get challenged by the things ahead in our life because we'll be committed to live in life and truth. Something will come up and you'll think, I've been looking the other way in this one, but it's time to sort this out. I'm going to get truth out there and light. I'm going to trust you, God. And, but then you think, but what if? And God says, no, it's as if it's already done. He says, good on you. Because that pursuit brings us into a contending with the powers of darkness or contention with people who don't welcome the light or people who could wish us harm. That's not an easy thing to have in front of you. But with the conquered walls of Jericho experience, we can have faith to find grace and live out from a holy grounding of God's work within us and through us and around us. God is always doing the as if it's already done, as long as we take the challenge and go into it. Thank you, Lord, for being the one that brings down the walls of our self-defence and puts up the walls of faith and hope and your love working in us and your will being done. In Jesus' name, amen.